Good morning, everybody. Come on, let's worship the Lord.
seat. My name is Tim English. I serve as a spiritual formation pastor for our church, and it's a privilege to do that. We thank you all for being here. Uh, If you uh, are a new person, we'd uh, love to have you maybe find the connect card that is in the seat back in front of you and let us know that you're here. We'd love to send a note of thanks for uh, letting us be part of your your weekend and uh, your journey with God. Also, if you came in the room and you have a prayer concern, something that is troubling you, Um, We'd love to know about it. So you can use the same card on the back of it is a place where you can leave us a little description and we'd love to be praying along with you. Either way, you can, uh, if you would, drop that card off at the offering boxes on your way out or maybe at the Welcome Center. But as you know, if you're a regular around here, that as a church, we want to help people, including our guests and our regular tenders, to know God, uh, to find freedom in their walk with him, to to discover their purpose and then find a place where they can serve and live that out and play a role in, their, uh, in God's story. So we want to help you do that. And even today, uh, immediately after the service, is step four of our life's, uh, life track process where we will tie together all that you have learned in step three. So if you happen to catch step three last uh, weekend or at some other uh, weekend in the past, we'd love to help you tie some of that all together today uh, right after the service. Downstairs in room 112, 112, along with lunch and some child care if you need that. So that being said, do that. Hey, next Sunday uh, is a kind of donation Sunday for Hope on the Hill. And maybe you remember about a month ago or so that uh, we asked you to set aside a few things, and that is all of your loose change and bring that in. Now, if you don't have any loose change, you're going to have to make a run to the bank for some because <laughs> you're going to bring some next week. Uh, and, uh, and that will help the food pantry uh, supply the, uh, the, uh, the, the food closet there. And so uh, they can purchase uh, food uh, pennies on the dollar. So the donations are, uh, of cash are preferred. Uh, loose change, bring that next week. Also, if you uh, have some gently used men's clothing or some children's clothing, the, fo- uh, the, uh, the clothing closet could use that uh, as well to provide for those who could use them. And so before just kind of throwing them out, or, and if they're in good condition uh, and washed, bring those by uh, next week also as part of our Donation Sunday. You'll receive an email this week kind of explaining how the donations of clothing will take place. So look for that uh, if you have some of those items to donate as well. So Donation Sunday next week. Now, before we get back into worship, uh, Pastor Dave asked me if I would uh, kind of bring uh, my lunch bucket and kindly just kind of put out the contents of it for you. So if you would, would you stand and greet one another before we get back into worship?
Every chain. Amen. And how do I say thank you, Lord, for the way that you love and the way that you come for all that you've done. And all that you'll do My heart pours out Thank you Cause you don't have to come But you always do Show up in splendor and change the whole room. You don't have to come, but you always do. You show up in splendor and change the whole. do I say thank you Lord for the life that you gave and the cross that you bore for the love you poured out yeah to ransom This thankful song
right there I'm telling you man we serve a God that changes everything if you think it's over you think there's no hope you are wrong Lord we love you so much and we serve a way maker God, we trust you this morning. God, we lay our burdens, God, our situations at your feet. God, we declare, God, that you are a way maker today. So God, make a way. You are here. Touching every heart I worship 
Miracle work, promise keeper, life. 
those of you who are watching online and for those of you who are here, no matter where you may be, no matter how much of a hole you may think you're in, no matter how much of a hole you may think your marriage is in, this is a God who makes a way for new life to happen. Do you believe that? Mm, This is the God who resurrects, who saves, who restores everything. Nothing is too far gone for God to heal. Do you believe that? Well, I was with um, some people. We were gathered here yesterday to pray, but to pray for God to move in our hearts and minds as we gather to worship God. And and, and I said, and I said to this uh, one woman who's a little older than me, uh, her name happens to be Fern. I said, I- I'm thinking, I'm debating about um, preaching with a beer uh, tomorrow. And she looked at me and she's like, she didn't tell her. She's like, well, I said, no, I'm not, I'm not going to open it and drink it while I, while I preach. She said, good, because if you did that, I'd probably get up and leave. And I said, well, I'm not going to do that. She goes, but beer's good for something. I said, well, tell me, what is it good for? She goes, well, I use it to curl my hair. I said, well, that doesn't work for me. And then there was another woman who was just a little bit older than me. She said, uh, beer's also, it's also a slug killer. I'm like, a slug killer? What are you talking about? I don't even know what you're talking about. They go, well, you take these empty tuna fish cans and you put beer in them and you put them in your flower beds and the, the slugs are drawn to the beer. And then they get in there and they drink so much beer that they actually die. That preaches. Let's pray. God, please prepare us to receive your word today, man. Open our minds and our hearts to your truth. We've been looking at these 10 love instructions, and we're on the second and first one today, and it's, mm, it's all about you being our God, nothing else. So pour out your Holy Spirit on us and help us to do some self-reflection this morning. Have we made any idols in our life? Are there any idols in our life that we need to confess today and turn from so that you can do what they can't do, heal and restore us. In your mighty name we pray and ask, amen. Today we're gonna explore um, the practice, the behavior that I think, I think defines the rest of the story of the Israelites. If you open up the Old Testament, you're gonna find, you're gonna read, you're gonna read stories about killing and stealing and adultery. But if you open up and just flip it open, the Old Testament, chances are you're going to come to, or you're going to flip it open to a story that deals with idolatry. Not adultery, but idolatry. That is making something else your God other than the one true God. And if you flip it open, chances are you're going to, you're going to find a, a story where uh, the Israelites are actually engaging in idolatry or some prophet is railing against idolatry or in a few occasions, some people actually uh, rejecting idolatry. I- idolatry was the sin that plagued, that plagued the Israelites right from the beginning, like right there at Mount Sinai after God had rescued them, freed them from slavery. It was right there, as we'll see in our story for today, right there at the beginning. And, 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 this, and this sin, this sin of idol- idolatry, hear me on this, because I think, oh, it applies to us. It was the sin that kept the Israelites from living in the freedom that God intended them to live in. Are are you with me this morning? 
And so this is what God says uh, in Exodus chapter 20, uh, beginning of verse 3. He says this to the Israelites. He says this to us. He says this, you shall have no other gods before me. I like how Jesus puts it in Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, where he says, blessed are the pure in heart. That is those who have a single-minded devotion to God. Nothing else, just God, for they will see God. I want to see God. So God says, you shall have no other gods before me. Verse four, you shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. That is that which you've created. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. Hear me, parents. Punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. We as parents think that what we do doesn't matter with our kids. No, it does. They may live with the consequences of our sin, whether they know it or not. And then, and then verse six, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. So yes, parents, we can have a major, good, powerful impact on our kids by how we live. Are you following me? So what is an idol? We're going to look at that in a couple different ways. What is an idol? Well, I think an idol is what, whatever we turn to in our pain, when we feel powerless, when we're afraid, when, when we're lonely, when we feel less than. An idol is whatever we turn to for security, for our identity, for our meaning and purpose. An idol is anything that we turn to other than the God who rescued the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. An idol is anything we ask to do what only God can do. That is what an idol is. When we ask something else to heal us or restore us. We'll, we'll get into that in a little bit more detail as we walk through this. And because an idol is not God, an idol always fails to give us what we think we want or what we really need. Even though an idol may, 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 may provide for us or, or it may seem to serve us well for a while, we always end up becoming a slave to that idol. And I think one of the attractions of, of idols is, is that we actually know they're not God. So we give ourselves to something that we think will help deal with our pain or our insecurity or our fear. But because it's not God, we give ourselves to it thinking that we can still control it. Like alcohol. Now I could pick a number of things to put in front of you. I chose not to pick the easy, like porn, Really can't do porn in moderation and be godly, right? I think we all agree with that. But alcohol, we can, we can drink alcohol in moderation, right? But it can become an idol, right? My friend, my friend puts it, my friend puts it this way. He said he used to have an idol. That's not what he called it, but that's what it was. He started drinking when he was 16 years old to numb the pain of various things that had happened to him as he was growing up as a kid. And alcohol continued to numb him comfortably throughout high school and throughout college. And then as he got successful in business, and he got really successful in business, 
he actually built an altar to his, to his idol. Has, has anyone here ever built an altar to your idol? Anybody? Yeah, nobody last time. They didn't raise their hand either. Oh, we got one. Yeah, he built this really intricate, beautiful wet bar that he used to worship at just about every single night. And, and, and he continued to, to bow down to this, to this idol as long as it continued to numb his pain. And this idol actually became more important to him, more important than his family, his kids for sure, his wife, not more important than his work. He was a functioning alcoholic because his work, his career was his other idol. That's where he found his identity and his meaning and purpose. So those two kind of went hand in hand. But he also valued it more than his health. He thought he could control this little God, this little idol, but it ended up consuming him in every way. Have you ever held the hand or put your hand on someone's shoulder who's actually just puking blood out of their body because alcohol is just destroying it? Have you ever done that? If you have, you know what I'm talking about. And it's just not with alcohol that this happens. It can really happen with any idol. That is, that is, that is we think that they serve us, but in actuality, we end up serving it. Until, well, until we admit our powerlessness, not just over this idol, but over, but over life itself. If we're fortunate, someone in our life will either introduce us to or remind us of the God who saves and rescues and frees and delivers and liberates. Someone, if we're fortunate, someone will introduce us to or remind us of this God who, who empowers us through God's Holy Spirit, gives us this power because we need something greater than ourselves to break free from whatever idol is holding us down and taking us into that life pit. And the Holy Spirit, it will give us the power to say no to sin, no to that idol, and yes to God in all things. It's that kind of power that frees people from bondage, various bondages. And we're just not talking about slavery of the Israelites in ancient times, although, it, although this power did that too. No, we're, we're talking about the kind of power that frees us from any idol, any bondage that may have a hold on us, any stronghold. This is the power that frees. This is the kind of power that gives us a spiritual awakening that helps us understand that we don't have to serve another idol ever again. And instead, we serve, we serve the God who saved us. And we learn how to serve other people, our neighbor who may be struggling emotionally, physically, spiritually. I think you agree with me on this one. Anybody here want to take issue with this? You can. I want to hear you. There is no question that alcohol can become a God that demands everything from us. But clearly, some people can drink alcohol without that ever happening, right? Right? They're in the dilemma. They're in why I'm using it. It becomes a dilemma in a community of faith. Hmm. 
Remember, big picture, these 10 love instructions are, are, are supposed to instruct us on how to live in right relationship with God and with each other. Some of us are pretty strong on the out. We can have a beer, we can have a glass of wine, and it's cool. Some of us, man, we start there, we end up in bad places. And when we live life together in a community of faith, that's when it can get interesting. As Paul tells us, those of us who are strong, we have to remember our brother or sister who may be weak on a particular issue because we don't want to lead them down a bad path. We don't want to be a stumbling block for them. Are you, are you guys with me? What if I told you that my friend that I was talking to you about <laughs> actually was part of a small group at this church I used to be a part of? And in that small group, their leaders and, and, and the people in that group, they had no problem with, with having a beer or a drink of alcohol. It's just how they socialized before they got in, into God's word, right? They didn't know. They didn't know my friend had an issue. They didn't know. They didn't ask. They didn't know. And my friend and his wife were st- starving for a relationship. They were so lonely. They knew they were in a bad place, right? And then someone invited them to come to our community of faith and they came and they're like, well, this is different. I, I wanna follow this God because we're, we're messed up. We need, we're broken. We need healed. Oh, Pastor Dave, we heard you, you get, into a, get into a small group. Oh, okay, there's an opening. We'll go into the small group. They didn't feel comfortable talking about it in that small group. Why? Because they didn't want those people to reject them because they were so lonely and starving for relationship. People in that small group, they never saw what happened after the small group. We never do. Couple beers, three beers later, you get home and you continue and bad things happen. I was a part of another church in, in Indiana and we actually had to have, two, it was a smaller church than this, we had two New Year's Eve parties because a lot of our leaders, that was the time that you know, they uncorked and had fun from an alcohol perspective. But our church had tripled in size and we had so many people who were struggling with that, we had to have a dry party and an alcohol party. So the evil one's using that to divide us. You guys with me here? Alcohol's not bad in and of itself, but just be careful. Alcohol only becomes an idol when we do what? When we ask it to do what only God can do for us, to deal with our pain. Mm. And I think it's true with anything that may be good, like our career, like for me, law, that can become bad. It's No, it's good. God created us for work. But I, in particular, made my job where I found my identity. And so if I was doing well, I was happy. If I was not doing so well, then I was not happy, right? I mean, that's where I found my happiness in, is in my career and my status. Money's not necessarily a bad thing either, but it, it can become an idol. These are all bennies, by the way, in case you didn't know what bennies are. They're hundreds. Anybody, anybody want them? 
Yeah, you'll come to the altar for that, right? When I started looking at my 401k and I, and I feel good when the market's going well, but then when the market goes bad, I feel and say, I'm all, I'm all messed up. It's become an idol for me, right? How about children? Can children be an idol? How, I, let me tell you how. I coached travel baseball for 10 years. I saw it weekend in and weekend out. Parents, their weekend was, if it was, it was dependent. If their weekend was good, it was dependent on how their kid performed on the field. If he or she performed well, they had a good weekend. If he or she performed bad, they had a bad weekend. That's when our children have become our idol. That's sick. Are you, are you with me? So again, an idol It's when we ask a good thing or really anything to do what only God can do for us, that's when it becomes an idol. Nothing but God can heal and restore. Are you you following me this morning? And so in our story today, we find these Israelites, again, at the foot of Mount Sinai, and that's where we found them the last eight weeks, at the foot of Mount Sinai, and they're getting a little bit nervous. Their leader, Moses, has been up on this mountain for a while, about three weeks, Maybe they're feeling a little vulnerable. I don't know. Their food supply is running out. They're a little scared, a little anxious, a little fearful. What's next? Will the Egyptians find where their former workforce uh, is located? Will they raise another army to come get us? They don't know. What's, what's going to happen? There's no Moses right now to raise his staff like he did before if they come. And so instead of remembering what this God who brought them out of Egypt, out of slavery, had done for them, they, they turn to Aaron, and they do what many of us do when we are scared, when we're afraid. They look for something tangible to make them feel secure. They look for something tangible to make themselves feel secure. So they ask Aaron to make them some gods, some images that they can see and touch to replace Moses and his God who they've never seen or touched. Although they've seen what God has done for them, they're used to seeing, because they've lived in Egypt, they're used to seeing gods that are shiny, gods that they can see gods that they can touch. And I think we'll all agree, it is so easy for us to forget what God has done in our past when we are afraid in the present. And, and, so, and so these Israelites, they, they're afraid. They ask Aaron to craft them some type of image. And this is what we're told in Exodus chapter 32, beginning of verse one. Now, when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people assembled about Aaron and said to him, come, make us a God who will go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Aaron said to them, tear off the gold rings, which are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. Then all the people tore off the gold rings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. He took this from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made it into a molten calf. 
Then they said, <laughs> the Israelites is what they said, this is your God, O Israel, who brought you out from the land of Egypt. Now, why would the Israelites say that? They just saw Aaron make this calf right in front of them. Why would they say that this calf is the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt? Well, that's the other thing with idols. They may, uh, they may represent our God, but they clearly are not our God. However, we can so closely identify them with our God that they actually become our God. And so Aaron makes this golden calf and breaks, violates the second instruction. And then the Israelites violate the first instruction by worshiping it, by saying it is the Lord our God who brought us out of the land of Egypt. And then Aaron, I don't know, it seems, Aaron tries to redeem the situation by attempting to identify the golden calf with the Lord, Yahweh. Listen to what he says in verse five. Now, when Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it, and Aaron made a proclamation and said, tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. And that's Yahweh, that's, that's the Hebrew name for Yahweh. So the next day they rose early and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink. They weren't drinking pop, my folks, my friends. And then it says this. And then they rose up to play. Which in this time period means that this turned into a drunken orgy idolatry always leads to other types of immorality. Idolatry is asking something else to do what only God can do for us always leads to other sinful behavior. Think about it. The abuse of alcohol. I'm not talking about moderation. I'm talking about the abuse of it. The abuse of it always leads us down paths where we don't want to be. It can lead us down the abuse path where we actually abuse our spouse or our children physically or emotionally. It actually can lead us down a path where our inhibitions are eliminated and we do things that we thought we'd never do. We break commitments and vows that we never thought we would break. I've seen this happen in the flesh when my old firm would gather all of our offices together and rent a resort. Oh, the alcohol started flowing and it became just debauchery everywhere people having sex with people who aren't their spouses because our spouses aren't there. Oh, because think about it. We, we, we actually have to be out of our minds. And that's what the abuse of alcohol can do. We have to be out of our minds to do some of the things that we do when we're drunk, right? Are you, are you, guys, are you guys tracking with me? How do you think God was feeling as God watched 
all this nonsense happen before him. Just a little P.O., don't you think? In fact, as we read here, more than that, he wanted to eliminate them from the face, that is the Israelites, from the face of the earth and start anew, but relented because Moses begged him to relent. And then Moses comes off that mountain, and this is what we're told in verse 19 of Exodus chapter 32. It came about as soon as Moses came near the camp that he saw the calf and the dancing, and Moses' anger burned. And he threw the tablets from his hands and shattered them at the foot of the mountain. He took the calf which they had made and burned it with fire and ground it into powder and scattered it over the surface of the water and made the sons of Israel drink it, sort of like making someone who is drunk drink their own vomit. Mm -hmm. If you are someone here today who is in pain, from various things that may have happened to you and you have made alcohol your idol. If you're here today and and you live in a family where someone has made alcohol an idol, I'm sorry. I am. And when that person is in a drunken stupor, vomiting all over the place. Don't enable them by cleaning it up. Let them lay in it. Let them stew in it. Let that smell come all over them. Let them wake up in it. Don't be afraid to let your kids see it. That may help them say, I never want to be there. I was talking to one of my colleagues this week and And she said, seeing her mom and dad just abuse alcohol made her say, it will never be in my home. Now, no one here has ever asked me this yet. I assume at some point they will. But no one here has ever asked me to go to the bar with them. If you do, I will. I'll go. My limit's two root beers and two ginger ales. If it's going to be a longer night, I turn to coffee. But I tell you this, I'll never drive you home in my car. I'll drive you home in yours. Because if you're going to vomit, you're going to vomit there. I want you to have to clean it up. I want you to stew in it. I don't want to enable you. Are you guys following me this morning? Then Moses said to Aaron, why did this people, what did this people do to you? They have brought, that you have brought such great sin upon them. Remember, Aaron was a leader in the church, I guess we could say. He knew what the right thing to do was, but he didn't step up to the plate, right? Aaron said, don't let the anger of my Lord burn. You know the people yourself that they are prone to evil. Blame shifter. (laughs) Just think if we had godly leaders, right? For they said to me, make a God for us who will go before us. For this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. I said to them, whoever has any gold, let them tear it off. So they gave it to me, and I threw it into the fire, and out came this calf. (laughs) I mean, does anybody here find what Aaron's response, just a little funny? 
and a lot absurd. I just threw the gold in and I'll pop the calf. I don't know. Just happened. It's almost as absurd as my other alcoholic friend who would say to his wife on many a morning after promising her that he'd be home for dinner or home at some point in time in the evening, I don't know what happened. I was just driving home. And the next thing I knew, I was at the bar. I just, I lost track of time. When you think about it, every idol, every idol seems to mask or be related to what I think our biggest idol is. And that is the idol of me, myself, and I. Hmm. I wonder if all idolatry is rooted in self-worship. My need to control. My need to think I'm in control. My needs taking priority over everything and everyone else. I mean, seriously, ponder this. Why do we turn to idols? Turn to idols because of my fears, my pain, my insecurity, my need for identity, my cravings. If you just give me more sex and lose some weight along the way, I wouldn't do porn. All idols are about me, myself, and I. Ultimately, selfishness, self-centeredness, self-worship, whatever you want to call it, it kills us. And it destroys. It destroys our relationships with everyone in our sphere of influence, and it for sure destroys our relationship with the God who created us. Maybe that's why Jesus puts it this way in Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 and 25. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, that is, if anyone here wants to to make me the, the one true God of your life, this is all I ask, he must deny himself. Take up his cross. It's gonna be some tough tough times here. It's gonna be some self-sacrifice here, self-denial, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Denying yourself can sound a little crazy, right? Especially in our country, country that we call America, right? Think about it. If, 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 we, all, if we all said no to all of these ads that we're going to see this week for Black Friday... What would happen to our economy? Like we said, all of these things that tell us that we need this, you deserve that. Like, if you're a good parent, you'll put it on this to make your kid happy. Your kid needs it. What would happen to our economy if we all just said no? If we all just said, oh, I don't know. I think I'm going to think about life differently. And so I'm, I'm going to bring some things next Sunday to make sure that certain people have clothes this winter season. 
I'm gonna bring some of my financial resources that God has given to me so that some people can have a meal or just their basic food needs met. Maybe that's why God has blessed me so much. Huh. I don't know, you may disagree with me, but I think our economy is one of our top three idols in the U.S. And what does this economy idol promise us? And you'll see how this ties back into our story. Riches, you can say it in many ways, wealth and independence. The American version of that is if you just work hard enough, you'll be rich and you can be independent so you can do what you want, when you want, and how you want. And then you'll feel good. Then you'll feel secure. But how many people are working pretty hard but barely making it? Yeah. Again, idols tell lies. And for those of us who actually, from a world perspective, actually make a lot of this, (laughs) it doesn't give us the peace that our hearts crave. And so if we're living for this, we'll also find ourselves in a bad spot. And I'm so thankful that so many people here at this community of faith don't worship this. You guys are people of generosity like I've never seen before. Keep living that way. And if you're not there yet, live that way. We are a church that God uses to meet basic needs, and I give God thanks for that. So back to the story of the Israelites. How does this economy of this idol of richness and independence, how does this fit in? Because it does. Remember the Israelites were saved from Egypt. Egypt was the economic power of the day. Egypt had lots of shiny gods that were made out of gold. God's saying, I don't want you to ever become like them. I want you to show the world there's a different way. And so we find these Israelites again at the foot of the mountain. They get scared. They want something tangible. And what do they do? They craft an idol. And what do they make that idol out of? It's not driftwood. It's gold. And God, God, through Moses, warns them of not doing that He states later in Exodus, same chapter, verse 20, a little bit later in verse 23, says, you shall not make other gods besides me, gods of silver or gods of gold. You shall not make for yourself this idol, this golden calf like all others are just icons of extreme wealth. Again, don't be like the Egyptians who exploit people for their best interest. Instead, instead, live for the best interest of other people. Show the world that there's a different way, that, that, that you live with material blessing to make sure that everyone in your community of faith doesn't go without, to make sure that everyone in your community of faith flourishes. That's how I want you to live. I don't want you to worship wealth and power. Are you guys with me this morning? Here's the paradox, ultimately, of freedom. There's these ex-slaves, the Israelites, standing at the foot of this mountain in a desert. And they're not free people. They're freed people. And they're presented with a choice. Who are they going to serve? God invites them at, at, at Mount Sinai to follow and serve the God of freedom, the God who frees, the God who rescues, 
the God who saves, this God who wants to use you to show the world there's a different way to live, a better way. But as history shows us, what did the Israelites do? They gave themselves continuously to other gods, to idol idols that took them into bondage of all kinds. Which brings me back to these three beers. Mm. Unlike the, uh, the God who created you, unlike God the Father <laughs> who loves you more than anything, who sent his one and only son to, to die so you can have life, unlike that, that God who loves you like that, this, this idol, just like any other idols, will never, ever love you. No matter how much you love it, hold it, caress it, take it in, it will never love you back. Never, ever. If you're so inclined to have another beer, second one, unlike God the Son, Jesus Christ, who came, who experienced everything that we've experienced in this life, temptation, betrayal, pain, various unpleasant trees, sorrow, who, who took a beating for us, who sacrificed for our best interest so that we can have life. This second beer, just like any other idol, will never make a sacrifice for you. Will do nothing for your best interest. Never sacrifice for your best interests. Although it will demand everything from you if you let it. Are you guys with me? And then this third beer. If you're so inclined to have a, a third one, unlike the, uh, the Holy Spirit, <laughs> as we take more and more in of the Holy Spirit, unlike the Holy Spirit who, who gives us this power, who, who, who helps us live as gentle people, as kind people, as peaceful people, as Jesus-loving people, as peacemakers, unlike Unlike the Holy Spirit who gives us that kind of power, this third beer, just like any other idol, will give us power, but power to destroy. Power to break relationships, power to abuse. Guys, follow me this morning. So who or what will you choose to give your allegiance to as you walk this path of life? An idol like this? Or the God who loves you this much? It's a constant question just like it was for the Israelites because the evil one never stops trying to turn us. Are you following me this morning? So who or what will you serve? Will you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? And I'd like you to 
take a moment of self-reflection. And I want you to reflect upon this. Are there any idols in my life? Is there anything that I have turned to and asked to do what only God can do for me? It is heal, restore, give me security, give me peace. Take a moment and reflect anything in my life that I have turned to and asked to do what only God can do. Maybe it is your career. Maybe it is money. Maybe it is porn or an opiate or some other type of drug. Maybe it is alcohol. Take a moment and identify it. Say it to yourself. Craft whatever it is, the the word in your mind so that you can name it as you sit here in the presence of the God who created you, the God who died for you, the God who empowers you. And then I want to ask, is there anybody here this morning who wants to turn from whatever that idol may be, turn to the God who can actually heal you and restore you, bring you out from whatever pit, give you that peace that your heart has been craving, the hope, the meaning and purpose that you've so desperately wanted in life. If there's anybody here this morning who wants to turn from that idol to the one true God, just raise up your hand so that we can pray. I see your hands up there. Mm -hmm. I see your hands down here. Yeah. Anybody else? Oh God, we just come to you this morning as broken people, as real people, as people who have been tricked into thinking that something other than you can heal us and restore us or give us meaning and purpose, God. And we're so sorry that we went down that path. We're so sorry for the people that we've hurt because of our worship of this idol that destroys. So God, we just confess in front of you. We just lay ourselves, we lay this idol at your altar, at your feet, because you know what to do with it. We present ourselves to you as Paul encourages us to do in Romans chapter 12, verse one, so that you can do what you do best, heal and restore us, empower us, God. Please help us, God, never to conform to the pattern of our society, never to worship anything other than you, God, but fill us with your Holy Spirit so that we know what your will is for our life, your good and perfect will. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray and ask, amen. Will you stand with me this morning and just sing this song of worship? Just, just let it ring from your, from your voices as Jamie leads us.
place of healing and it's a place where I find freedom there's a place my eyes can't see where my spirit longs to be and it's a place of healing it's a place where I live in freedom yes and I'm going to live
the God who loves you. Loves you more than that. It doesn't even love you. That, oh man, that takes you into a prison. This, uh-oh. Can't live without this, can we? Oh, it can take us to so many bad places. Oh, my friends, may you leave this morning as a freed people. <laughs> may you live as God's people, people of love and peace and kindness and gentleness. May God use you. May God use you to make this world a more godly place, to bring healing and restoration, which you can do through the power of God's Holy Spirit dwelling within your soul. Are you guys with me this morning? If there's anybody here this morning who's wrestling, who needs to have further conversation and and wants someone just to pray over you and pray with you, we'll have some of our prayer warriors in our prayer room just outside here to the right. Some of our pastoral team or our prayer team may be up here if you want to come and just converse You don't have to be alone. You don't have to be alone. You're a part of a community of faith. My prayer is that you're a part of a life group that cares about you, that will walk with you through any storm because that's the way God created things to work. Are you guys with me? And if you've made a decision to follow the God who created you, I just ask that you fill out this decision card. It's in the pew back in front of you and just leave it at our welcome center and we will follow up with you so that we can journey with you, so that we can live life with you. Oh God, may you, may you purify us, may you save us, may you redeem us, may you empower us to be who you have created us to be, Jesus Christ in every way, in every day. In your mighty name we pray and ask, amen. You're dismissed and go live it.